Okay, we got Dr. Schneider John here today, fresh back from vacation. Ready how, to go. How was vacation? It's great. We uh, we were talking this morning. You just need sometimes to get away and spend time with family and turn your brain off. Yeah, but do you ever turn your brain off? No, I don't. Okay, but I do the things that I really want to do, like yeah. uh, read books. Yeah, uh, Shelby and I were kind of joking. Shelby's my wife. Uh, we're joking that. Uh, uh, a conversation came up. I forget who we were talking to. They're like, "Well, when you go on vacation, uh, you know, do you what do you think about?" Or you know, I was like, "Yeah, I got three kids. I'm pretty much busy with that. So my vacations aren't what they used to be. I used, you know, when when we had one and August was little. Yeah, I did. I, I read a lot. I, you know, I, I got a lot of stuff done. Now it's like, you know, kids are up at six thirty, ready to go to the pool or beach, and like it's over. But I think I think if you're intentional about playing with your kids, building memories, that at the end of the week, you're like, this was a great vacation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you've never read Four Hour Work Week, have you, by uh, Tim Ferriss? No. Uh, well, he talks about the idea of working your whole life for, to retire. And, uh, you know, he encourages, like, don't do that. Like, uh, you know, every three or four years, take a month off. Go live what you think retired life is. So, like, for, for example, you this week on the beach, you know, and get your golf cart and your umbrella and it's kind of pseudo retirement, right? And then, you know, do that for a month and say, all right, is this what I'm working to achieve or, or, you, or are you repulsed by it? Like, oh, that, I, I, my mind wandered and I did not find it fulfilling, you know? No, I, I like, I would, my fear of doing something like that is I want to contribute yeah, you know. Well, like, you still want to right like, now. Like you still back, want to. Yeah. I want to. I want to take all the ideas I learned from reading books and 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 try to help patients or apply to life. Okay, but you know, at some point that probably won't be there. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I, I've always said that I'd be terrible at retirement. Yeah, I, I just imagine Blue coming back from vacation at 105. When I read this book, <laughs> it was great. I'm going to change this in my life. Um, well, you know, we both finished reading a book recently, and I've actually, since I've finished, I think I've told every one of my patients about mm-hmm. it. And uh, in their intro email, I, you know, I mention it. Um, but it's Glucose Revolution, Revolution by, and I'm going to let Dr. Blue oh, pronounce her name. Uh, of all people. I'll, I'll do the first name, Jesse. Inchaspe? Uh, Inchaspe. Inchaspe. She's yeah, French. We actually from had to Brazil. Google that. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that uh, I hope this podcast goes so mainstream that she calls us and says, uh, "You pronounce her name wrong." <laughs> yeah, I'll take it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, I, let's kind of start back to where you know. Well, just to kind of recap, so glucose revolution, mm-hmm. Jesse and Chospy. Um and I think the reason I started reading it, uh, and I think yours is the same reason, is you know we we know glucose. And and to better to define that because everybody it's a catch term car, carbs. Mm-hmm. So you know in the book she talks about what are carbs, right? So you got fiber, uh, soluble, insoluble. You got glucose. You got sucrose. You got fructose. Sucrose is broken down into fructose and glucose. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I. You know, you go through med school and you're like, I, you know, I don't quite understand the difference in what your body. And to be fair, we learned it. it we just, we just glossed over it. I went, I cracked up my medical school physiology book the other day, and I was like, yeah, I, I definitely studied this, but it did not stick. Um, but how does your body deal with glucose? How does your body deal with fructose? How does it deal with these different types of carbohydrates? And what does it mean for our health? And it, because you know, in 
and what we do, I mean, we realize that glucose intolerance or you know insulin resistance has a lot to do with obesity, morbid obesity, comorbidities, acid reflux, hypertension, heart disease, cancers. It all starts with glucose. Yep. Or after this book, mainly fructose. Yeah. Did you did you take that away? Was I, that I, I took that away, and I think you know. I think even to say a little bit of her journey, um, what started her down this path was she started wearing a continuous glucose monitor. And for the listeners, explain what that is. So, uh, matter of fact, I got one on right now. We've talked about it. In yeah, the it past. looks pretty ratty. He must have, that must have it's came back vacation. from vacation on you. It's, it's <laughs> salt water. Uh, so, new technology that you put these um, glucose monitors on. I change mine every two weeks. Um, and basically, it's a little wick that is in your subcutaneous fat tissue. It's like, like a small IV, almost, like a micro IV. And so it's given me every instantaneous uh, what my glucose level is based off what I'm eating, stress. Um, and so I can tailor and understand how my body responds to the food that I eat. And that's what she started doing. And, and it's a, to me, it's a great new concept because we go, for example, we've been, we thought that we knew what was healthy, but we don't know if it's detrimental to us until 20 years down the road and we got heart disease or diabetes or well, other things. Yeah. Measuring the, like how to, what I'm doing and what is it doing to my body? Because um, ultimately if you're into health and wellness, like what are my decisions, how did, what are the cumulative effect on my body? And you know, most of us depend on the every two year lab check at our primary care to to tell us whether we're living or dying, mm-hmm. right? Um, but what the continuous glucose monitor does is allows you day to day, day to day feedback. Um, so, kind of two things. Uh, what was your motivator to wear it? What is it? Gwiz information, or is it? I'm yeah. making changes based off this. Yeah, I think it. it uh, what made it motivated me was as we started. The more books that we've been reading, the more we're finding that insulin, which is related to our glucose level, drives a lot of our, our metabolic issues. Like you were talking about, um, if we're all const- constantly um, eating a lot of carbs and our glucose is high, our insulin therefore is high and then ultimately leads to insulin resistance, which drives obesity, drives heart disease, it drives risk of diabetes, it drives cancer risk. So a lot of our metabolic health is related to our glucose. Right. And, and so therefore that's why that kind of motivated me. All right, well, I wanna see, you know, what, if what I thought was eating healthy um, is really healthy and I found out so much. We're back after Bo's uh, phone started ringing. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I'll try to edit that out, but it was kind of an important part, so you're probably going to listen to the phone ring. Uh, so I put on a Levels Health glucose monitor, uh, which if patients are interested, you can, go, you can actually go sign up at Levels Health. And um, and then what you do is just it gives you a score every day, uh, and it looks at uh, you know how, how variable your glucose level is throughout the day and each food it it gives it a score zero to ten on ten being a healthy food or zero being not and so i just found that for example i used to make my pomegranate protein shake every morning Uh and i found pomegranate juice has a lot of fructose and glucose and i was getting a huge spike in the morning 
so I've, I've completely, I used to do that. I think I did that shake for like eight or nine years and I don't do it anymore. Yeah. And I thought that what the book did a good job of explaining is, uh, fructose or fructose, depending on if you're a biologist out there, uh, is not measured with your glucose levels. Correct. And if you had to talk about the toxicity of the, the, the difference between glucose and fructose, fructose, explain that. Like what, how does your body deal with, and, and so, man, we're, get, we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, fructose, uh, mainly found in fruits. Correct. Right? So, or sugar. Um, or any kind of, the sucrose is made up. Manufactured of, sugar. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so like sugar from sugar cane mm-hmm. doesn't, Am I right? Does not have fructose in it. So it, it'll have sucrose. Yeah, sucrose. Which sucrose will have is fifty percent glucose and fifty percent fructose. Okay, uh, but it's combined. It's not direct fructose to the to the brain or to the liver per se. But so you're you're you eat glucose, which is you know what most people consider carbs, and what your manufacturer puts on the back and the labeling. It gives you a glucose number. Mm-hmm. Right, um, so glucose goes down into the intestines and gets absorbed, goes into the bloodstream, gets primarily deposited in the liver or muscles uh, for immediate recall. So as stored as glycogen. So if I'm going to go for a run, um, my body's going to pull glucose in the form of glycogen from the liver and from the muscles, mm-hmm. right? And then once that runs out, I pretty much am done running, uh, right? Uh, but what what does it do with fructose? So and and you you get an insulin response when you get the glucose, right? So when I'm wearing this monitor, it's looking at nothing but glucose and the insulin level or yeah. insulin response to that. So fructose, you don't get any response. So fructose is not measured by anything. Uh, but why fructose is is so important is it goes directly to the liver, and that's where the metabolism happens. And we talked about this last time. Fructose initiates that fat switch, uh, which basically slows your metabolism down, causes you to store fat in your liver and store fat in general, and it increases your appetite. So it just creates this this metabolic disaster. And is an inflammatory bomb to your liver. Correct. Correct. Um, so where does where do most people get fructose from? Uh, like you said, fruit. But a lot of fruit has fiber, so it doesn't get, you don't get this huge surge, but it's in just anything that has sugar. So sugar. But I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is where do people go wrong here? What, what do, what do they think is healthy that is killing them? Yeah. You know, so fruit juices, Yeah. apple juice, orange juice, uh, pomegranate juice, uh, any kind of juice, basically you're getting all that fructose with no fiber with no fiber to slow down things yeah and i think we'll get into why fiber is important yeah. in this deal because that's what the big i think a big focus on the in the book was uh not so much preventing a glucose response and an insulin response it's eliminating the spikes yep. um and you know you can only really tell that with a with a insulin or a glucose monitor like a continuous glucose monitor and you see, you either see these small little gentle hills that kind of correct pretty quickly, your, your body produces insulin, your numbers come back down, or you see these giant mountain peaks. And in, in her theory, uh, or, or you know, I, I don't, theory or science that she's uh, pleading, is it's not so much the response that kills, the, the glucose absorption that kills us or that makes us sick and gain weight, but it's those big peaks that you know you you're running at 100 uh, on your glucose monitor next thing you know it's 180 and she what she noticed and this is where things started 
kind of correlating for her was when she had those big spites, when she was coming off of them, she got really tired. She felt very irritable. And it just, it correlated with what she was seeing on the glucose monitor. And so um, I've been there. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, well, I, I thought her story of why she chose to do it was pretty interesting. Like she was almost having like psychological issues. Yeah like anxiety, depersonalization, like she would, she wouldn't feel like she was herself. She was like, like outside of her body, like looking at herself. And I don't think if anybody's ever experiencing this stuff, you don't really know what we're talking about, but you, I think anybody can identify with racing heart, anxiety, depression. Like she was having all these emotional issues. She goes to her primary care doctor and they're like, ah, you know. You know don't have an answer. Yeah, don't have an answer. And, um, what, you remember the exact moment she decided to to put one on? What I was think it? they uh, they in the lab they needed some volunteers to wear it, and that's when she started wearing it and correlating it with when she felt so bad. Yeah, and she's like, and then then she started doing all these hacks, which we're going to talk about as far as keeping her glucose down, and her all those symptoms that she was having started improving. Yeah. All right. Uh, the last thing before we transition. Um, so fructose, and uh, it, it, we talked about it's mainly in fruits, mainly found in fruit. Um, and so, you know, you go to your average primary care doctor. What you know? What do they tell you to eat to get healthy? Fruit, fruits and vegetables, yeah. right? Um, and you know, the 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 problem with fruit is, you know, that's there's a lot of glucose, there's a lot of fructose, and then. Like you know, the years of man, like the industrial complex, moving the production of fruits, you know, outside of your backyard to banana farms and apple orchards, and uh, and so they've genetically engineered these things to have even more glucose and even more fructose. I mean, she talked about a peach used to be the size of a pecan. Now, now peaches are like the size of my head, uh, and so you're getting this big load of glucose, this big load of fructose. To be fair, with fruit, you are getting some fiber with it, which prevents it from you know totally decimating uh, your body. Uh, but then the juices, and then all the manufactured foods with high fructose corn syrup, and all the names they've changed that to because they they realize some people have picked picked up on that term. Um, you know, and you know people are just being conscious of what's in those foods, um, and if. If it's hard to decipher through that, then that's where kind of a continuous glucose, glucose monitor kind of comes in. Like, all right, well now I see what it's doing to my body. Is that kind of how you think about it? Yep, okay. absolutely. And what we'll do is we'll go through, there's 10 hacks that she has in the book of, you know, if you don't wear a glucose monitor per se, what you can do to kind of regulate those curves where you don't get those big spikes. And yeah. I, think, I think all of it's applicable to um, being healthier. Yeah. Well, briefly before we leave, uh, so we're gonna have to take a break and go do some surgery and come back and finish this podcast. Um, why, you know, gl glucose is viewed to, to be somewhat essential for life. Uh, and that's debatable whether it's absolutely essential. But I think most people would say, you know, your body does know how to use glucose. Uh, but, you know, kind of explain the toxicity of it. Like when your body starts mismanaging it, mm -hmm. you know, say, yeah, the average person has about four grams of sugar in their bloodstream at one point, and your body's producing insulin to keep it at that level. Um, so I guess two questions for you. What is, so once your liver's full, once your your muscles are full of glucose and you got some extra glucose left, what, is it, what does your body do with that? 
And then the second part of that is, well, once your body gets tortured with that and it no longer can regulate keeping only four grams of sugar in your bloodstream at a time, what happens when you have too much glucose in your bloodstream? Yeah, so too much glucose basically becomes, it's sticky and it becomes inflammatory and it starts sticking to all your proteins. And I use this as an example, um, kind of, I look at it this way, like cataracts over time. Uh, when you have a lot of, um, it's your protein in your, your lens of your eye starts getting deformed. And that's what it starts doing in our body. It starts sticking to everything and it causes aging, it causes inflammation. And so keeping your glucose well-regulated, um, not only is gonna prevent a lot of medical issues, but it's gonna prevent aging, it's gonna prevent uh, so many things. Uh, we call these uh, advanced, um, Glycation end products. Yes, ages is what ages. we call them. And that's when, when for example, when your primary care ch checks your hemoglobin may one c and it's like 5.2, that means 5.2% 5, 5 of those proteins have some kind of glucose attached to them. Uh, when you're a diabetic, that crosses over, I think it's at six. A six two or six yeah. five. And so but that's- But you're pre-diabetic till then, then you're diabetic and, oh, well, now we need to do something about it. Not until then though, you know? And so the things that we'll share today is is helping you know kind of prevent that progression. Okay. Now what, uh, the first part of that question was all that extra glucose that you know your muscles are full, your liver's full, you got all your instantaneous energy needs. What what happens to that glucose? Stored as fat. Stored as fat. Yep. That's where we start the um, gain in weight. Um, yeah. Trajectory and 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 that's. I think you need to start way upstream of that is, is managing all that. Okay, all right, we're gonna take a break and uh, we would love to tell you that some sponsor is gonna come on now and entertain you, but they're not yet, we'll uh, so we'll be back. Okay, we're back, we have not operated yet, but we've pre-opted a patient. Uh, so Dr. Blue's now gonna dive into this, uh, kind of the, the meat of this book and kind of what tips we took away from it. Uh, we don't wanna short sell you, you should read the book if you don't understand how your body deals with sugar or carbohydrates or fiber or you know all the things that fall under that that flag but he's going to jump into what she discovered made the biggest impact in her body's response to glucose and so she she lays these out as hacks which is basically trying to um, improve your health by blunting blunting that glucose curve or that glucose spike so her first thing, uh, which I think is, is really important, is eating your foods in the right order. And so the way that she laid it out, and she basically experimented with you know, eating, um, let's just talk about, you know, so fiber, protein, fat, and starches, or, or, or sugar, or glucose, and how changing up the order made a huge difference. And so um, what she recommends is eating fiber first, um, so if you sit down and you're gonna have, say you have some chicken and some broccoli and um, some potatoes, let's put that. And a salad. And a salad. So how would you approach that, Bo? Well, I mean, the potatoes first, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Most, would, that's how our kids do it. Yeah, I would start with salad. Um, and you know, the tricky, when I talk about salads, I always do the caveat, because what you put on your salad dressing-wise is probably the, uh, the, the death spiral of, a, of I, I'm eating a salad. You're kind of like killing the whole benefit of doing it. 
but even before I read this book, but now it just reaffirms uh, getting something in your in your gut in your stomach uh, that contains a, a big dose of fiber. So specifically, probably a raw vegetable of some sort or a cooked vegetable. So either the broccoli or the salad would go first. Well, that's correct. And what what she goes into the theory on the fiber. So fi- and I I'd never learned this before. So this is kind of interesting. So when you put fiber into your GI tract, a few things happen. Number one, it inhibits a, an enzyme called alpha amylase, which breaks down the starch. Um, and then it doesn't allow the, the, the glucose to be broken down as quickly. Uh, the second thing is it creates this matrix in your, your gut lining that keeps you from just quickly absorbing glucose. And so it blunts that spike. Um, and, and she kind of relates that to nature. I mean, nowhere in nature do you find unopposed glucose or fructose without being associated with a high dose of fiber. So, you know, things like bell peppers and celery and um, any roughage, uh, you know, salad. Uh, I feel like I'm going around in a circle here. But some kind of high fiber something to get in and and coach your intestinal linings to prepare it for the uh, you know, the upcoming onslaught of glucose, right? Yep. Because you know, cause in fairness, those veggies are gonna have glucose in them too, but not at uh, unopposed level, like it's gonna have a high dose of fiber as well. And so she, she says it, it inhibits that enzyme, mm-hmm. it, it, it provides like a netting or a mesh barrier on your intestinal lining that slows uh, and prevents the uh, rapid absorption of carbs. And, you know, having a buddy that's in the microbiology world, uh, you know, that fiber is gonna prime all those little bugs in your gut to say, hey, get get ready, here it comes. Mm-hmm. So she said fiber first, then your protein and fats, your starches, then your dessert or sugar at the end. Yeah, and that's the best way to eat your foods. Yeah, and kind of equates it to like cultural norms throughout the millennia. You know, like uh, overseas, like you go to like Portugal, Spain. You know, you're going to start off with some kind of vegetable. Um, you know, to, to to prime things, and then you move into the the fishes and the and the meats, and then kind of the sweet things at the end. Um, but just all she also talks about how that looks in America now. Like you go to a restaurant and you're going to get one of two things put in front of you immediately. Bread. Bread or chips, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and that's going to drive, as a matter of fact, that drives that glucose spike and insulin spike, which drives our hunger. Yeah. So it makes you actually throughout the meal more hungry. You're going to eat more. So they know what they're doing at the restaurants? They, they know, know how to get you to doing. buy more food? Yes, they oh, do. Wow. You're going to buy that dessert. Never would have thought about that. Yeah. Um, all right, what's hack number two? So just to recap, hack number one is eating your foods in the right order. Correct. Uh, so fiber, uh, protein, fat, starch. What is starch? So starch, I, I use a potato. A potato yeah. is a great example of starch. It's not pure glucose per se, but it's 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 in a uh, kind of a, a palm, how do you say it? It's a lot of glucose molecules put, put together. Uh, and so you've got to break it down and it's not going to get a pure spike like you're going to get with sugar as quick, but you're going to get a pretty significant glucose spike. Um, and that's a whole nother thing. We could talk about potatoes, for example, if you cook them and then let them cool, put them in the fridge overnight for 24 hours and then heat them back the next day, you get this 
they're a little bit more resistant. You get more resistant starch, so you don't get the glucose spike as you would with just eating them right then. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I read that hack uh, a few years ago, uh, and it's interesting because you look back, I started talking to my mother-in-law about, you know, kind of Lebanese cooking and how they would prepare things the day before, let it rest, and then, and what difference does that make and how your body responds? It's pretty amazing. Like, I just you kind of think back on history and how we used to cook, um, you know, like tortillas. Like, that was the process. Like, they would mix it up, let it rest, and then kind of approach using it. Um, and it just revolutionizes the, those molecules. Was, was, that, was that in the book, Molecules Matter? I don't know about that one. That may have been some dorky dream I had. But, but that resistant starch, our gut microbiome love resistant mm. starch. And it's very healthy for our gut. And so all these things, like you said, all these cultural ways that we did food, um, it's sad that we've moved away from that because there was there was some nutritional wisdom that was passed on from from our, our great-grandparents. So the grandparents. But our grandparents did tell us that we had to eat breakfast and finish our all the food on our plates. So we, we, we're not letting them off the hook yet. Um, well, good. Number two. So hack number two is it's, it's kind of piggybacked on this one. It's add a green starter to all your meals. Um, you know, getting your fiber up. So that's why starting off with a salad before most meals is a really, really wise thing to do. Now salad without ranch. Uh, so I mean, th this is where I get I get very nervous telling people to eat salad because yeah. I'm always afraid what they're going to put on it. Uh, so what's your favorite salad dressing? Olive oil with a little balsamic vinegar. Okay. Um, not a ton of balsamic vinegar because it has it has some sugar to it, but uh, really high quality olive oil. Um, like you said, all it's interesting. I think we've talked about this someone wants to get healthy, they want to lose some weight, they start eating salads. But the salad dressing quality can sabotage their efforts. Uh, if you pick up any salad dressing, uh, whether it be ranch, Thousand Island, it's going to contain two main ingredients that are pretty top at the top of the list that are, are going to really hurt you. One, vegetables, and two, sugar. Wow. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So what if you're stuck in a restaurant? Like, so is it, is it, do you go for a vinaigrette? Because uh, most vinaigrettes have a lot of sugar in it. Like I, I just get, they're, they're so sweet. I guess it's like the flavored ones, like the raspberry vinaigrette and the fig vinaigrette. Like if you go with a straight vinaigrette, like, I don't know, you keep talking. I'm looking up the ingredients of the average vinaigrette. Yeah. I just, it, this is why we don't go out to eat a lot. Cause it's hard to control. <laughs> hard to control what they serve you. Um, and I've learned when you ask them for olive oil, you're not always getting olive oil. Yeah, so, I've told that story yeah, before. I don't think anybody needs to hear it again. <laughs> um, while you're looking that up, I'm going to go to the third one and start commenting, and then we'll come back. Um, hack number three: stop counting calories. And um, this we've talked a little bit in the podcast prior to this that we're starting to see that it does. It's not just calories. Um, a calorie of sugar versus a calorie of a vegetable is different, and our body responds differently. And we're, it's not the old mantra of eat less and do more. There's more to it. And so it's all about this metabolic effect, how your body responds to what you eat the glucose response, things like that. So that's the point she's trying to make. Yeah, and I, I try to tell this to my patients. Like, what if, so like if you if you go on keto, we're not advertising that, but like, so you get a lot of protein and fat. What does your body do with 
leftover fat. Like you, you, cause fat has a lot of energy in it. Right. And that's the, the calorie counters out there. Are like, Oh, avoid the fat, eat lean meats. It's got all those calories in it. But does you, does your body store excess fat as fat? This is a question to me. Yes. I asked you. I'm buying You're, time here. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, in my, in my opinion, no, it doesn't, uh, it either use, it either uses it, uses it or it comes out the other end. Right. Uh, protein overdosing on protein can be stored as fat because it turns it into to glucose. Uh, but fat has a glycerol backbone, but I don't know of any mechanism that turns that glycerol backbone into stored fat, more stored fat. Yeah. So that argue that alone argues calories are calorie, you know, like calories are not equal. Um, and that's the reason I don't particularly, you know, tell people to count calories is because, you know, if I ate 8,000 calories of fat, like my body's not going to store 6,000 of those calories. Whereas if I overeat sugar, it easily gets stored as fat. Yeah. So any excess carbohydrate intake directly gets stored as fat. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Do you find the vinaigrette? Yeah, so a simple vinaigrette is nothing but um, olive oil uh, with vinegar and lemon juice with either salt or herbs added. So if it is a house-made vinaigrette or uh, you know a high-quality vinaigrette, probably pretty good uh, option. But I think the problem at most restaurants and in the grocery stores, most vinaigrettes are sweetened with, you know, most commonly raspberry vinaigrette, kind of. Maybe I'm thinking of a Prince song, I don't know. Well, we're, we're, gonna, get, <laughs> we're gonna get to the vinegar here in just a bit. That's okay. interesting that uh, they add vinegar to the, to the olive oil, because yeah. that's gonna be a hack here in just a bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right, hack number four. And this is, boy, it's all about breakfast and flattening your breakfast curve. Um, if you, it's all about breakfast if you eat breakfast. So here's my question, Bo. What do you think the most detrimental meal of the day? If you were to eat a, okay, let me phrase this, phrase this question correctly. What meal during the day can either do the worst damage to your body if done incorrectly? Well, I mean, this is, this is a no brainer because we're on the topic. Breakfast. Breakfast. Yeah, okay. And why? What? Let's, 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 you feed your kids cereal. You eat cereal. Not What's, at my what, house. Why is that so detrimental yeah. in the morning? Uh, well, you you get this huge sugar bump, mm -hmm. and now your kids are bouncing off the wall, and you're telling your teacher you think that they have ADHD, and um, but they're all sugared up, right? And then their body responds to that sugar, so it produces insulin. They're still young. They're you know their body's still in tune with getting that number down. Well, then it kind of overcorrects. So like two hours later, they have no energy. They're starving. Their, you know, their whole metabolic response for the day has been thrown off. And this happens in adults too, but uh, more commonly our kids get like 200 grams of sugar before they leave the house. Uh, but it just sets up this, this whole, you know, water, you know, this downfall for the rest of the day by eating, um, you know, manufactured breakfast. And this, so this is where I, I always have thought uh, or this changed what I do for breakfast every day. Uh, so I realized by watching my glucose curve that in the morning, we all naturally have a stress response, a cortisol bump. Uh, and you're, that's almost four times, your cortisol level is four times higher in the morning than it is in the evening. Therefore, you're much more sensitive to sugar, gl glucose, and and what I started seeing is in the morning, 
I was drinking that pomegranate protein shake and my glucose was going up in the 150s, 160s, where it should have been in the 120s or less, and is because of that normal stress response in the morning. So you've gotta be really wise with breakfast, or you can send yourself down this roller coaster like you're talking about, um, and which drives hunger, drives irritability, drives sleepiness, and so with your with your glucose monitor on, because mm-hmm. uh, you know I've worn one, but you've 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 quadrupled the amount of time I, I've spent using one. Um, have you experimented with like a, a what a lot of people would consider to be healthy breakfast, like yes. a oatmeal bar, or a protein bar, or a um, you know obviously you've probably tried like you know bacon and eggs, which you know you don't see much of a response from, but things that most people substitute for breakfast protein shakes uh, or pre-made protein shakes. Uh, What's your opinion there? I haven't done, I haven't tried a lot of our patients do premier protein, um, which I haven't done that one. Uh, I will say my wife- Report report back tomorrow. I will have to get some of that. Uh, My wife has done some of these um, breakfast bars and they can be treacherous. Uh, You gotta really watch those. I mean, to me, what it's changed for me is either I fast, okay? So I don't eat breakfast. I don't eat breakfast. Or uh, my ideal breakfast now is two pasture-raised eggs, and then I put a bunch of vegetables, spinach, uh, red onion, bell peppers, garlic, um, and there's no no response. Gotcha. Yeah, garlic and give your wife a kiss on the way out. She loves it. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) And then I saute it in olive oil, so. Yeah, perfect. Sounds pretty good. Take a picture for us next time. Actually, I have two pictures. Yeah, Dr. Blue's on Instagram now. You should follow him over at Blue Schneider John. I have yet to post Uh, anything. I logged on. We'll we'll see what he's gonna post, maybe (laughs) some food pictures. Uh, Hack number five is basically all sugar is the same. And the, the point that they were making, that she was making in all this is that, you know, comparing brown sugar to uh, table, white sugar, yeah, palm to, sugar, it's all yeah. sugar, sugar, sugar. And so you're gonna get the same response. So it's not healthy to substitute your white sugar for brown sugar? It, it, it's, no. a, it's a marketing ploy. Yeah, okay. Um, another one that kind of got me was agave. So agave has a lot of fructose in it, and it's kind of painted as healthier substitute, but it's not. I bet I know who did those studies. The agave, the, the agave industry. <laughs> <laughs> um, hack number six is pick a dessert over a sweet snack. So the point of that was, is say you're wanting, you're craving something sweet. Instead of going mid-afternoon and getting you a white chocolate mocha, from I know a guy used to do that. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> from Starbucks. Um, instead, you know, do your normal meal at night, laid out like we talked about, fiber, protein, fats, and then do your dessert after that. That's going to blunt your glucose response way better than getting a real high sugary snack mid-afternoon. Okay. Maybe we can convince our kids of that? No. If you don't have a sucker now, we'll have dessert. I'm gonna try I tell, that. I yeah. tell you, raising kids, uh, you, you, you. This is all in theory, but in practicality, it always looks different. Yeah. All right, now I have tried this next one. So reach for vinegar before you eat. 
uh, a tablespoon of vinegar in water before you eat something flattens uh, the spike. So for example, say you have, your, your wife makes those famous chocolate chip cookies. They're going down. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. So what you can do before that is get you some apple cider vinegar. Uh, we actually looked this up. I think it's unfiltered, raw. Just go, just grab Bragg's. Is that is the it? best yeah. one? Yeah, Bragg's is the, the most product, you know, just as far as recognition. Like you walk and you see Bragg's, you're like, oh, grandma, you said that. Mom has that. I got one of those bottles in the back of the pantry somewhere. I'll put a disclaimer, I've done this. So you put it one ounce of it in about six to eight ounces of water. Do you know how that tastes? Oh. Uh, so I've done a lot of this. Uh, it tastes pretty horrible. Uh, so, you know, when I was, I so I went for a while there, and I, this was probably at my healthiest point. Uh, in the morning, I would do coffee, a raw egg, uh, uh, apple cider vinegar, cinnamon, and a squeeze of lime, and then get one of your little immersion blenders. And it's tolerable, uh, but unopposed apple cider vinegar is pretty raunchy. Yeah. But if you know it's buying you some some health benefit, I yeah. mean, you can you can kind of get through it. Um, so apparently, I think you get a. I don't want to quote her, but a pretty significant drop. And what the apple cider vinegar is doing, two things: that alpha amylase enzyme that I was telling you about with mm. fiber, yeah, it inhibits that, and then it it primes your muscle to want to take up glucose. And so it blunts your curve of your chocolate chip cookies that you were going to eat. Buy and get my biceps up to twenty nine inches. That's right. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know if it, they she also compared. So I had a lot of people ask me about apple cider vinegar pills mm-hmm. uh, because they don't like the taste of apple cider vinegar. So which she said that those do not work the same, right? I think she's experiment with certain different brands to see. If yeah, and there's not a good one out the board, there. But yeah. she didn't she have a conclusion um, yet. And then uh, there's a company called Bioptimizers that makes that that Kplex or yeah, whatever. Uh, well, they make that too, but they also make another supplement that you're supposed to take like 30 minutes prior to a meal. That compl- and I, I did exper- I gave you a bottle. You haven't used it yet. I gave you a bottle because when you got your continuous glucometer, I was like, hey, try this and see if it blunts your curves. The berberine? I got, I got the berberine. Berberine. Um, yeah. So I guess what we're saying here is there are a few other things out there that blunt your glucose spike. Uh, Keon makes a, a pre-mill supplement that blunts. Uh, the bioptimizers bi- make a supplement that does the same thing. Uh, berberine. There's there's all kinds of things you can take right before a meal that totally affect how your body responds. But apple cider vinegar is the cheapest, is the most effective. Uh, so put it in eight ounces of water, stir it up, hold your nose, <laughs> Get and go for it. Well, what yeah. I think is interesting, you mentioned about the olive oil and vinegar. That I mean, that's essentially what's been passed on yeah. as a culture, and that that's a, there's healthy aspects to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like house made, like Greek dressings and vinaigrettes and balsamics can can, but that's not what most people are using. They're using French Thousand Island and ranch, right? Yep. This is one of my favorite ones. Okay, hack number eight: after you eat, move. Uh, so either a 10 minute walk uh, after you eat, you need to do this within about 70 to 90 minutes after you eat. She said ideally 30, but up to an hour or uh-huh. something like that. Yep. Yeah. And then the other, another thing that she does, and I do, I did this other day, um, I did 20 air squats. Okay, just while I'm sitting there. After mm-hmm. I ate, a, I knew I ate, I ate some sugary stuff. And so I did that. And it blunts mm-hmm. your curve by 30 to 40% if you do that. Hmm. You think they're telling the diabetics out there to do that? 
Nope. Nope. Uh, so I read that hack uh, back when I read Tools of Titans, Tim Ferriss, like five years ago. Uh, no, the Four Hour Four Hour Body, same author, Tim Ferriss, Four Hour Body, and he did like a eight week experiment where after every meal he would do twenty five air squats. And I know not everybody can do an air squat, but you can you can bend your hips and knees and kind of get down as far as you can go. And like read, he was doing a DEXA, so a body composition scan, and that's all he did. He didn't eat any differently. He didn't he didn't go keto. He didn't you know do anything crazy, uh, but just did twenty five air squats after every meal and like completely like drop like 15% body fat, uh, increase his muscle mass. Um, and it I means it's not like he's spending hours in the gym. I mean, it takes the average person about what a minute to do 25 air squats. Now he said he did get some stairs. Like he would go into the, like the bathroom at restaurants and start doing air squats and dudes would walk in and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's better than a push up in the bathroom though. Uh, especially at your hands on the floor. Yeah. About that. Um, so, I've wanted with our family to get a routine going where after we eat, we just go on a 10 to 15 minute walk. I think that's a great routine. And that's something that uh, hopefully we'll do a podcast on is creating habits. Oh yeah. Um, we'll talk about that. And and if you just start getting these habits going before you know it, um, like you said, you've improved your health dramatically and it doesn't take a huge investment. Well, yeah. Well, what if my habits like as soon as I get done, I just have a, a nice bourbon on the couch. Does that work? And watch. Does that help? And watch TV. Yeah, uh, I think that that's what most of us Americans are doing. I mean, some people do that. Um, or it's a beer. <laughs> um, so, what if you get on the treadmill and walk for a mile while drinking your beer? Uh, I hadn't thought about that one, Bo. That I doesn't know. sound All right. Well, you got the you got the monitor on right now. I need you to go home and experience. You're gonna Man. you're gonna come. You have two things to come back and report. You got to eat a really nasty, you know, uh, protein bar tomorrow for breakfast, and you got to drink a beer on the treadmill. See what happens. I tell you, on vacation, my wife can testify to this. I I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the health and wellness or just getting older, but I just alcohol. I just it makes me feel bad, even if it's just one drink. And mm. so I've, I've had a hard time even, um, I just don't drink beer. Um, and so I feel better because- Well, you were on vacation this last week. What was your favorite adult beverage that you had? So- And did it have a umbrella in it? So it was called High Noon. Um, it's these sparkling vodka waters. But even then, I just, it's, yeah. it's no. I'm not a big fan. Okay. Well, that's that's not for everybody, but you know, if you're thinking about it. Oh. Okay. Next next uh, tip before we lose all our listeners because uh, you told them they can't drink ever again. Well, it's it's just me. Oh. Uh, so this this next one is if you're gonna do a snack, do a savory snack, not a sweet snack. Okay. Give so people I, I tell people that, but then they they want a laundry list of what are my options. What are they? So for example. Um, Apple slices with peanut butter. Okay. Yeah, she was a big fan of nut butters. Yeah, nut yeah. butters. Yeah. Um, hard boiled egg with a dash of hot sauce. Oh, yeah. Um, a 5% Greek yogurt. Yeah. Cheese, nuts. Cheese, nuts. Yep. Pork rinds. That's my favorite snack. Beef jerky. Pork rinds. Yeah. I can't do pork rinds. You can't? Nope. Oh, man. Last one. Okay. Put, put clothes on your carbs. Uh, like little tiny shirts and pants. I could, so, I could see I could see uh, broccoli, you know, with a shirt on, with its uh, the head of the broccoli sticking out. Like eat me. Oh, so 
Um, I do him off. <laughs> Let me think yeah. of an example. So let's think of something. Um, oh, olive oil on your salad, or uh, you know, um, basically, she's saying just don't eat carbs by themselves. Yeah. So yeah. let's take a potato for example. Yeah. You know, add a protein to it, uh-huh. um, or toast. Put put butter on it. Yep. Don't just don't just put the jelly. Avocado toast. Yeah. 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 So having something that goes down the gullet into the gut, uh, other than just that carbohydrate. Yep. Right. I, I think I've told everybody about my experience with the continuous glucometer and eating movie theater popcorn, like getting up to like 180, almost my, 200. That's what, that's what mine did during Top Gun. Top Gun. I well, blew but it you out. were the adrenaline was also 180. pumping. Oh man! But yeah, that I mean that was a pretty adrenaline. I was when I, when that happened to me, I was watching Frozen too, so there's really not a lot of adrenaline going on. Uh, but I imagine just watching Top Gun, not eating anything, your sugar goes up just because your those hormones are pumping. You're like, if I was back in high school, I would have, I would, I'd be going to the Air Force Academy right now. It's never too late. Yeah, actually, it is too late for you. You are a pilot, though. I bet but, you flew this weekend. I bet in the back of your mind, you had a helmet on. You were calling tower, flying low. Yes, I was buzzing the tower. Yeah, I don't think you did that actually. Um, well, overall takeaway from the book. I, I, told, I tell people it is probably the best book I've read mm-hmm. uh, because she uses real world examples. Mm-hmm. She has little stories she tells, like the one about her grandpa retiring, but then wanting to shovel coal on a train. I mean, it, it was kind of crazy, but it may, like after she tells it, it makes sense. Well, yeah. what I like about it is, I think it's, it's where we're going with nutrition, that we're able to measure things, look inside the body, and really see how we're responding to food. And I, I'll tell you another thing too, to take away from this, is Lacey, my wife, has been wearing this glucose monitor and we don't respond the same way to the same foods. Wait, are you saying men and women don't respond the same way to foods? Correct. No way. And I'd say even, um, it's there's genetics that, that, that plays a role, there's um, so many variables. Yeah, and genetics, so, hormones, yep. uh, infl- how inflamed you are at that, yep. how much sleep you got. Correct. Did you exercise the day before? Correct. All affects the way your body deals with food. Yep. So uh, a great book. I echo what you're, you're saying. It's just practical. Um, and I think it'll, it'll get everyone thinking about, you know, what is this doing to my body? Uh, if you have the ability, um, I think putting a monitor on, well, like with Levels Health and, and doing it for three three months or so, you really learn a lot about. What, what's, uh, so briefly, what's the average cost of that? And, you know, you already told people where they can get it, levels.com. Yeah. So Two L's, Levels, uh, I forget what it was. Uh, it's level he- Levels Health with one L. All right, keep, keep talking, tell, tell the price. So to sign up and be a, become like a member of the organization is three ninety nine, and then it's a, a one ninety nine per month. After that, you, you're not committed to anything. Um, another thing cool that they do, which I'm fixing to uh, try, is they will actually have a someone a phlebotomist come to your uh, house, and you can draw your blood, and they help interpret. Um, for example, they do your C-reactive protein, all your cholesterol levels, your insulin resistance score, some really useful labs. And so um, their whole concept is is that 399 is gonna get you a lot of things down the road, uh, meaning that you're gonna have access to 
other things that will be rolled out, such as this, the lab work and stuff. Like and I think that. a lot of people are like, oh, it's a lot of money, but think about the average month on Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, California, whatever diet, uh, all, all those other ones. And this is gonna, I, I would venture to say that this is gonna be better than a lot of those programs. Yeah, so Levels Health, uh, uh, levelshealth.com. And I've actually been following this company, this Nutrisense. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they kind of do the same thing. I think a little cheaper, but not near as involved. Like they don't give you advice and like it's literally just the levels and you better have somebody to explain it to you type situation. Yep. Is that kind of what you think? Yeah, okay. there's gonna be a lot of these companies I think popping up. Oh, and I think this is gonna get cheaper mm -hmm. by the month. Correct. Um, you know, the I think in the past two years, these companies have had to fight the FDA to allow to, to be openly sold to people that were not diabetic. Correct. Uh, if you are a diabetic, go to your primary care doctor and say, I want a continuous glucometer. Yeah. Like insurance should cover that, right? Mm -hmm. And my, in my opinion, if you're pre-diabetic, they should cover yeah. uh, because insurance companies are gonna lose a lot of money once you get to the term diabetic. Yeah. So they should start at pre-diabetes. And then you know, above and beyond, people that want to affect how they age, their chance of dementia, lowering their cancer risk, Slap one of these on. I, I, I tell people I recommend like little two two month experiments. Uh, you're you're kind of you, you've gone crazy. You've had yours on continuously for how long? Six months. Six months. Yeah. yeah. Most people don't do that, right? No, I think I think three months gives you good good impression. intel. I've just I've been just I've really wanted to uh, get my diet as healthy as it can be, and. I'm learning little bitty things. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I'd mastered it, but you you kind of put me to shame now. Well, and, and that's what I, I think the takeaway point is: this changes how you're going to eat, and that's I, I've we haven't found a lot of things in medicine or health and wellness that changes behavior. Uh, it's with this when you see in real time that it's this food that you're eating is not your body's not responding well to it it changes what you do. And so I think it's a really key motivator. Okay. Well, good. Uh, any last thoughts before we wrap up and actually go to this surgery we've been trying to do since eight o'clock? Nope. Was, we love doing podcasts. Um, hopefully we'll keep rolling out. We got a, a, a bunch of fun things that we want to talk about. Atomic habits, creating really good habits. Um, that's one that we that I want to visit about soon. Okay. Well, everybody go forth and conquer. You know, I've